actually recorded this episode last week because now that we're releasing every Thursday, I have to be far more diligent about my scheduling, and I'm recording this intro in Hawaii. I am in Hawaii on Kauai. I'm learning how to use my geographical nomenclature properly. So if you can hear the waves behind me, sorry, I'm not sorry. Girlfriend and I decided to take a little vacation, an active vacation where, you know, I'm producing episodes and recording self-tapes and she's working on her business on her laptop but we're enjoying Hawaii I've never been here before and it's pretty incredible I I get it kind of wonder why I don't live here all the time we did a boat tour of the Nepali coast which was indescribable so I'm not even going to try to describe it and snorkel with sea turtles and today I'm going to go to a board shop and rent a surfboard because there's a pretty sweet break right in front of the place where we're staying so yeah it's just pretty sick man I'm having a good time and I get this weird thing on vacations where I tell myself, oh, I'm, I'm not going to eat poorly. I'm going to stick to my intermittent fasting. I'm going to get my workouts in. And then there's usually some meal that derails that train of thought. And the other day it was this breakfast, loco moco, local specialty at this little hole-in-the-wall breakfast spot where they gave me two grass-fed burger patties on top of rice with gravy and fried eggs on top and a side of macaroni salad for like $9. So uh, the intermittent fasting is out the window. I am on vacation. I'm going to enjoy it. But I'm not eating McDonald's and Snickers and bullshit. I'm having a lot of macadamia nut and passion fruit treats that I can't get on the mainland. And I'm enjoying it because I am on vacation and my body is flexible. It will it will get back to where it needs to be. My girlfriend gets mad at me because I'll look in the mirror and call myself fat because... She, you know, I know I'm in good shape and I know I'm single digit body fat or whatever, but when I call myself fat, I'm not comparing myself to anyone else. I'm speaking relative to my own ideal shape based on my job, which is modeling, which involves having a low body fat percentage. And, you know, there is a difference between seven and 5% and I can see it and I'm happy with one number and less happy with another. Um, and when I say it, I'm, I don't get too down on myself, but I am aware of where I am with my body and I know when I get back home, it's, I'm going to have to lean out a little bit because after I talked to Will McNeil um, on the podcast, he mentioned that a client had come in to do a fitting in the office and they loved my look, but they said my arms were too big for their clothes. So this is this is a real problem, guys. I, I love going to the gym. I love that linear progression of putting more and more weight on the bar. But even though the superhero aesthetic is really in right now and everyone wants to walk around at 225 like Chris Hemsworth... You can't wear a sample size medium when you're walking around at 225. It's just a fact. And I got to do something about, about these guns. Uh, so if you guys have any tips about how to reduce arm size while maintaining some musculature and staying lean, I'm all ears because this is a, this is a new problem for me. And it's kind, of, it's kind of a cool problem to have, um, to be honest. Um, but we'll deal with that uh, when we get back to town. In the meantime, I want to talk about this episode with Natalie Canizares, we really just got into the hustle of being a commercial actor in LA and getting an agent, getting on set, learning how to audition, taking improv classes, taking other classes that teach you how to audition. 
And then we got into some more philosophical stuff about just the drive and identifying what you want and how to move towards those goals and what makes people happy. And I really enjoyed this conversation. So without further ado, enjoy Natalie Canizares. But welcome to it. <laughs> Thank now you. Now you're on the podcast. You're second ever, third ever? Second ever, but the first one I did never aired. So it's kind of technically They're like the first. It. Yeah. I know it just died. I think that podcast got canceled. <laughs> before it before, before, <laughs> before it, it even was born. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like I had reservations about starting a podcast because I was like, oh, it's over. Like I missed the, the yeah. boat. But then I thought about it in terms of TV. And it's like people write new TV shows every day. Yeah. It's not like they're full, you know, they always need more content. And right. I, there are no modeling podcasts. I don't know why there's a million acting podcasts and this gets into acting as well because it kind of goes hand in hand, mm -hmm. but I don't know if models don't want to talk yeah. or people don't want to hear from models. We'll see. I mean, some people are listening to this, mostly my dad, hey dad. <laughs> hey, Michael's dad. Um, but thanks for being here. Thanks I appreciate for having it. me. I'm just going to get right into it. The first question, what were you up to when you were seven years old? Well, when I was seven years old, I was a little kid. First Good grade. Answer. First grade. First, second grade, I second think. Grade. Is, yeah. I was I was dancing. Ah. I started dancing when I was like three. Wow. Yeah. Intense. Yeah. I was forcing my cousin to videotape me making soap operas, one woman <laughs> soap operas, where I played every part. So dramatic. Very dramatic. <laughs> I was trying to get into sports to be like my friends, mm -hmm. but um crying. At all the practices. I was kind of like that. I was like such a shy kid and not because I was an only child until I was 13. I was not competitive. Mm -hmm. So I would be at sports practice like they'd be running sprints and I'd just be like skipping. Like <laughs> just didn't care. Yeah. I wasn't. I played sports socially because my friends played sports. Yeah, but same. I wasn't into it. I hated you it. You were a dancer. I was a dancer Sweet and dance. I was a performer. And I remember this girl on my soccer team was like, what are you waiting for? An invitation? Because I like didn't kick the ball fast enough and I didn't get it and for like years. And then I was like, oh, she meant like to kick the ball. I, I was like to a party. Like I did. I just was so. <laughs> she burned you. Yeah. I, and I didn't even get it in the care. moment. Yeah. I just hated it. I just hated sports. I, I like played soccer just for the orange slices. Oh, and the Capri Suns. Yeah. And the cute yeah. picture that you take. Yeah. You know, I, I've always been just a full blown ham. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have siblings growing up? I have a sister. She's okay. four and a half years younger than me. Younger. Mm -hmm. So you, yeah, like me, no one was telling me what to do or what was cool or what wasn't cool. So I was just in my basement drawing or running around in the woods like a lost boy. That was my childhood. <laughs> and so it seems like you just found dancing and that was your creative outlet. Yeah. I just, I came out of the womb basically like performing. Like really? as soon as I could talk, I was like, Force, we did a lot of home videos and I'd like force my dad to record me and I'd be like, no, don't turn the camera off Yeah, from like two, just crazy. So dance was like my mom put me in it and it was just a way for me to express myself creatively. So I just did it and did it. And, and then did you it. do it through school, through college. Yeah. Did you go the professional track? Yeah, I, I went to a public high school for two years and then I transferred to an arts high school in oh, Chicago. Cool. That was like the coolest experience of my life because I hated public high school. Yeah. Did you go to like a regular high school? I went school? to a public high school and I liked it because I could get away with a lot. Mm. We had like desegregated busing. So there were a lot of kids from the city who caused a lot of trouble. And if you didn't cause trouble, you could kind of just like, it was easy to skip school. And like, I, they didn't push me. So I didn't, I took, you know, the AP classes and whatnot, but I could just get away with a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I, I kind of flew under the radar 
which wasn't great for me in the long run because I got to college and had no clue how to study <laughs> or write a paper. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm way behind the eight ball. But I took a lot of drawing classes and kind of poured myself into the arts when I had the chance. So I liked it. I, yeah. It was good and bad. Yeah. yeah. I, I hated it. I felt like I didn't fit in. Like I started off as a palmer which is kind of like a weird cheerleader team. Yeah. Yeah. And doing like the dance company there. And like, all I cared about was that I I just, I hated the social aspect, but I ended up transferring to the, the coolest art school. It's like, you couldn't even imagine how cool it was. It was only like, I think like a hundred something people in the whole school. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was tiny. And um, I got to focus, like I would do academics from 8.30 a.m. It was downtown Chicago too, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. 8.30 a.m. to like 1 or 2 p.m. And then we would dance until like 5 at night. And it was just awesome to be around like creative people. And there wasn't like a popularity hierarchy there. There wasn't a sports team. It was, I really just got to like lean into my I'm envious of that because I I went to college in New Hampshire and we had a really big winter sports program. And a lot of the the skiers came from these high schools where they're called mountain schools. And they like go to school for a couple hours a day and then just ski because they're going for the Olympics basically. And a lot of them end up in the Olympics. And I'm jealous of people who found or were able to commit to that passion or that path early on. Yeah. Because I was always creative, but it never seemed like a legitimate career path yeah so i went to school as an econ major so i was like i'm gonna be an eye banker and make a ton of money and yeah. that quickly it was like no i'm not but how did you like so early on how did you know that you wanted to dance and go to a school for dancing you know at 16 well i really relate to the like needing to be a serious person but that came later in life for me weirdly enough when i was yeah. young it just my parents are um first generation american they're both cuban on both sides their older siblings were born in cuba and they were the youngest ones and they were both born in the States, but they're very, very Cuban. They grew up super poor and they worked really, they're blue collar, like hairdresser, sure. police officer. Cool. And they worked really hard to give every opportunity they never had. Like that was a whole thing for them. Yeah. And they kind of didn't let me think about money or career. Like, I think because they were so worried about that stuff, they wanted to give me like such a nice. hopeful. Yeah, it was nice. And it let me just kind of, not think about the practical stuff. I found what I loved. I just kept pursuing it. I kept pursuing it. And I went to college for dance. And I had a hiccup in college because I ended up getting in like a a car accident and Mm -hmm. I injured my knee and I had to like leave school and get knee surgery. And it was kind of like, if I'm not a dancer, who am I? I? Yeah. And that was the first time I had thought about, I I had always wanted to be an actor, but I started dancing so young that I was like, well, this is what I do. It's similar. It's fine. And then I was like, well, maybe I can transfer to acting at my school. And I've always been a very big, like I struggle with defeat. Like I'm a defeatist. Like I'm Mm -hmm. like, no, before it even starts. So I like looked into the acting program and I was like, no, what, what? I'm a fraud. I couldn't, I could never do that. And then I just like waited and went back to school for dance after I rehab for my surgery. Um, But that kind of like, changed my trajectory a little bit my whole like dance dream kind of shifted from that moment yeah, on. I mean it's a very tenuous dream because one injury bye-bye career and if you yeah. don't have a backup plan or you it's, didn't go to school you're 22 and yeah. have no skills it's yeah. scary yeah I mean it happens to football players it happens to all kinds of people but yeah it's, I understand su- that, it's super yeah. dependent on on the body and like um so when I, I moved to New York City um because I had a fellowship with Lincoln Center Institute which was really cool it was like a great way to move there after college and mm-hmm. I got to choreograph my first dance and they paid for like I got money to do it which was yeah. you know I never got that again let's just say I was like do I was I continued to be a choreographer and stuff for a while but 
money and that just never really go hand in hand. So yeah. it was really nice to start like that. But um, after a few years of living in New York and like being an adult and struggling, I was like, I just want to make money. I just want to be right. an adult. And in like, New York, especially it's so yeah, expensive, it's so hard yeah. and expensive and exhausting. And I was like, I want to take myself seriously. I want to be taken seriously. And so then I started to like really look into like more serious careers. So I kind of yeah. went about it the other way. And yeah. I took a few years off performing and I started my own business doing mm-hmm. health coaching. And yeah, because I was like, I, I don't want to be a performer anymore. Like I want to just be taken seriously and like help people. Yeah. I always, I've always felt like I struggled with like feeling uh, selfish for wanting to be I get that. a performer. Yep. Yeah. You're not contributing to, you know, something that's more selfless yeah yeah Yeah, I get that and I struggled with that too and I so you married Mm -hmm. Jeff who I worked with at the theme park design company that transferred me to LA from the Middle East where I got my first job out of college I did not know they transferred I didn't know Yeah, I lived in Jordan for a year and so I I like you as a kid like had this weird inclination to be an actor and I didn't know where it came from I was in St. Louis that world was totally foreign to me but it was always in the back of my head through school I was too scared to take drama classes because it wasn't cool in high school and I wasn't going to do the musical because I had sports. And then in college, it, it took me until like basically my last term to finally take an acting class. And this acting teacher was like, you know, you could do this if you want to, but you have to want it. And that just kind of kept the spark going. Yeah. So I had this plan that I'd go to Jordan, I'd put in my time there, transfer to the LA office, which I knew they were opening, maybe move towards production design, get on set. And then if it happened, like get into acting somehow. I had the same weird back, like roundabout way of thinking that I would one day also get into acting. That's really funny. Yeah. And so Jeff and I became friends at this theme park design company because it was horribly mismanaged and it was really easy to go to lunch and just talk shit about the company and also talk about what we wanted to do. Because Jeff is an amazing artist. He went to CalArts animation background and he wasn't happy with the concept art he was doing. He wanted to be making his own shows and writing. And he's doing that now. He's absolutely killing it. Jeff Rowe, look him up. Crushing Face it. to watch. Um, watch that space. And I, we, he would talk about that. And I would talk about the book I was working on and how I wanted to quit this job and focus on my book. So eventually he quit and then I quit. And we both just kind of did our own thing. And then he met you or re-met you. You guys yeah, had, we had a weird met. backstory. Yeah. And then got married. And you didn't expect to move to L.A., you were a little scared because you didn't know anyone here. Um, your career was in New York. Your life was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jeff works a lot. Yeah. So you sort of got dumped into L.A. and was like, okay, figure it out. Like, you don't drive because you had this car accident. So, like, bye. Have fun. Yeah. It was a lot. Yeah. But it was, like, weirdly, like, I knew I was supposed to be here right. for many reasons. Yeah. And, and I mean, was you had that like, acting itch. Yeah. And I was always like, it's so stupid. But it's like, yeah, it's like, well, if I you know, put out these videos, like maybe someone will see like life coaching videos, someone will see them. And then like, I'll have my own like talk show, but I didn't even want a talk show. I just wanted to fucking perform. Can you curse on this podcast? Oh, of course. Okay. Um, I have a very dirty mouth. I was like, Oh God. Um, I I just wanted to perform, but like, I didn't admit that to myself for so long. Yeah. But because you, what if you fail? Yeah. And I mean, the trope of like the struggling, starving actor is so common. It's so common. And I relate to that idea of like, well, hopefully I'll just get discovered. And yeah. I was, I remember being at work at the theme park design company and just Googling, like, how do you be an actor? Like going on Reddit threads Dude, and trying yes. to figure it out. And you have to realize eventually that you're not going to get discovered. No. You might. Don't count on it. You're not. You're L- not. Let's <laughs> just be real. You're yeah. fucking not going to get discovered. You're not going to get discovered. And <laughs> so eventually, you know, after I quit the job and I'd finished my book and 
I fell into the modeling world in a roundabout way, which I've talked about before. But then it's like, okay, how do you get into commercials? How do you get on set? How do you pursue this in a more professional, grounded way? Yes. And that's something you came to me after yeah. you've moved here and you're like, you're kind of, you started to do this. You're in some commercials. I've seen that you, you know, have agencies. Like, how did you do it? I literally was like, Jeff, ask, ask Michael Gable how I do this because yeah. I, I had, it's so corny, but basically I watched La La Land <laughs> <laughs> and it was uh, the opening the opening number, if you've seen I it. I haven't seen it. Okay. It's just like a dance and singing sequence on like a freeway in LA. But just like seeing that performance and um, it literally like broke it. Like I literally was watching it next to Jeff and start sobbing before story happens, before character happens, before anything. I'm like bawling in my theater seat. And he's like, are you okay? Yeah. And I was like, and I go through the whole movie having this like very emotional experience of just being like, why am I not in this? Why am I not performing? Yeah. What am I doing? And we left the movie theater and I told him, I was like, this is what I want to do. It's what I've always wanted to do. And I just like wouldn't let myself say it. That's so cool. We I mean, went, what's that quote? It's like when the pain of resisting yeah. becomes stronger than the pain. I don't know. Yeah. It's like it, it, eventually you're just like, so, get over it. Just it. Like was, yeah. And it just like hit me in the face watching that movie and people say like, Oh, it's not realistic. I don't think that the story itself is realistic. It was just seeing that experience and seeing, I don't know. I just, something clicked in me. We mm -hmm. went to the Dresden that night. I got a glass of wine and I was like, I want to do this. And he was like, then do it. Yeah. He, he was like, if you're on your deathbed, which, um, Mike Rianda always asks people who's the director on his film. He's like, I'm going to ask you the, my question, if you're on your deathbed and you're dying and looking back at your life, what's yeah. the one thing you would regret? What would you regret not doing? And I was like, yeah. honestly, trying acting. And he's like, then do it. Yep. So I, that like scared the shit out of me, but I was like, okay, I made that decision. And then like, it took me like two months to sign up for an improv class. Mm -hmm. And then I felt which, which school did you go to UCB first? Yeah, I did that. Yeah, you did. Yeah. UCB 101. Yep. Yeah. And I like, I fell in love with that. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. I got back on stage and I was like, I'm home. Yeah. Improv's great because it just gets you out of your head. You can't. Yes. I'm a control freak. You probably are too. Yeah. A lot of artists have that type A mentality on the side. And yeah, you just like have to get out of yourself. You have to. Or and for a shy person or a, an awkward person, it's really important. Or a perfectionist. Yeah. And it, dance really it helps bread. so much in going into auditions where they're like, do this. Uh, what about this? And like, you just have to think off the cuff and go with the flow. Yeah. Um, that's great for that. So did you fall in love with improv? Did you like watch the Heralds and the teams? Yeah. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with talking. Cause like I yeah. had taken some acting classes growing up and in college on and off and whatever, but not a, like a lot. So to be able to use my mind in the way and still my body, it mm -hmm. was like, it was like everything clicked performatively and I loved being funny. I just loved yeah. like making Getting people laughs laugh. It's pretty great. <laughs> intoxicating. Yeah. And it's just, I'm very like, um, goofy as a person. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't always present that way in the world. Like I'm like, I'm, you know, put together. And yeah. It takes a little while to come out of that. Show. Yeah, yeah. But when I'm doing improv, I, I don't always do it cause sometimes I get in my head, but when I can just be my goofy self, it's so fun. Well, it's, it's free license like, oh. to be silly. Like yeah. you're, that's what you're supposed to do. So when, when it's like your job or your role, you can you're like, Oh, it's not me that's being awkward or goofy or people are going to laugh at it. It's this, thing I'm doing it's this character mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed UCB but when I went you have to go and see a certain number of shows yeah. when you're taking the class and I saw the Herald which is this very structured format improv game and team and it's to get on the Herald team is really a big mm -hmm. deal 
I saw that and I was like, this is great, but I don't want to do that. Yeah. It just wasn't for me. That's great. And every, every improv school is different. You know, the groundlings is more character based and a lot of SNL people come out of there. I'm and, there right now. And then, but yeah. UCB is a huge thing. And you know, it's Amy Poehler and whoever else started it. Adam McKay. Yeah. And, but it was like, that's, that's not, that's not my path. Yeah. And I liked what I learned from improv. But then I was like, okay, what else can I do? Yeah. And one of the pieces of advice I gave you when you came to me was Killian's workshop, mm-hmm. right? And that's the class that's, you know, commercial auditioning 101, basically. It is the best. It I, everyone this is a free sponsorship. Like go Dude. take Killian's if you want to be in commercials. Do you know how many people have asked me, like, are you gonna get an affiliate pay if I go? Cause I like sell it to yeah. everyone yeah. so hard. Cause people are like, How'd you do it? How'd you get into commercials? How'd you get an agent? And I'm like, Killian's workshop. Yep. Yeah, because it was like after a few months of improv, I was like, I'm ready to start, like you said, kind of like doing it the practical way. You just have to pound the pavement. And that's, you know, a few years into this now, I really see that. It's just like day in, day out, put the work in. Mm -hmm. And you're for me, it's like I'm not going to get some huge thing to happen, but I'm having always little wins that come every few months and that's just growth so it's like i you know got the information from you how to take the next step and that class like it taught me how to do commercial auditions auditions are weird and when you get an agent or so another thing you can do is start self-submitting on la casting which has affiliates in every other market as well but you can Upload your own headshots. Mm-hmm. I'm sure uh, Jeff took my first headshots ever. I remember, yeah. You upload them to LA Casting and you can submit to projects without an agent. Yep. And you can get little $200, $400 roles or you can book a SAG national off of LA Casting with you no totally agent. Can. It happens, but it's a way to start getting in the rooms because I got an agent first. I was lucky and they just send you to auditions. Yeah. And I remember being like, what? Like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Where am I looking? <laughs> yeah. And then you go to class like Killian's and you're like, oh, I was doing everything wrong. I, my head was turned away from the camera the whole time. I wasn't, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. I don't want to give away his special sauce because yeah. it's, it's good. And it's you want to learn it there because they, yeah. they just, it's a fun process. Yeah. It, it is really good. And I actually hadn't, I had done one random commercial audition before that. But other than that, that was like my, I had, it just taught me everything before I ended up going in the rooms. Uh-huh. And I never gotten, I self-submitted on LA Casting while I was in that class and I never got an audition. Then yeah. I got signed with Aqua and. Oh, you're went, with Aqua. Yeah. yeah. Are, are, are you? I'm with them theatrically, but that's not my like, You're with them theatrically? Drive. Yeah. Lucky. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just with them commercially. Yeah. I mean, but, commercials are my jam. I like, yeah. I'm not pushing I, for theatrical as much. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying yeah. to break in. I'm, I'm doing that work. Getting into commercials is one thing. Breaking into theatrical is, it's such a catch 22 because no one will take you on as a theatrical client until you have credits. Yes. But how do you get credits without a theatrical? A- you can get a manager or you can self-submit, but like to get a proper co-star in a network show. It's good, a chicken or egg situation. Like good luck, yeah. you know? But it happens. And that that's the thing is like there are these steps laid out. Like get an LA casting profile. Start submitting yourself. There are segments of that website where you can say, I'm unrepresented. Would anyone like to consider representing me? Mm-hmm. And agencies can look over your stats and your resume and your headshots and bring you in. And I know a lot of people who've gotten agents off LA casting. That's how did awesome. you get, how did you sign with Aqua? At the end of Killian's workshop, the foundation class, they like film a mock audition and yep. then they send it out to like a huge list of agencies. And my the teacher I had, Jarrett, mm-hmm. um, he's so great. Uh, I see him in auditions all the time because he like runs sessions. But uh, he uh, emailed us the list and he said, you know, if you're smart, get an IMDb pro go in and find the email address of each commercial agent at these places and send them a personal email and just say, Hey, 
I just took the foundation class. You're going to get a video of me. I'm looking for representation. I sent out like 50 emails Mm -hmm. and I got a lot of really good responses from great agencies, Aqua being one of them. Then once people got my videos, I had already signed with Aqua. I also got reached out to by a few, but I really like Aqua. I've been with them for like a year and a half. I see them, you know, when you sign in at auditions, you see certain names over and over again. And Aqua's definitely up there. Yeah. Blake is great. And they send me out on good stuff. But yeah, so I emailed them and he, Blake responded to me pretty quickly and we met. And and that just goes to show like you can wait for people to come to you, but you're going to be waiting a while and you'll probably wait forever. So just put yourself out there. And there's this balancing act of, well, my headshots aren't good enough. I don't have a good enough reel. I don't have enough credits, but you probably do. Yeah. To get in the door, just showing that initiative is a lot of times enough. Mm -hmm. And it's based on your look. And people understand that, you know, there's new recruits joining every day and they have to develop you and they have to put some time into you. But if you're showing that initiative, they're probably going to take a chance on you. Yeah. And even then, you know, you can't rely on your agency to give you all the direction you need. You got to just talk to other actors on set or friends who are in the game and see who did your headshots? Uh, what do you do when you do headshots? How many looks do you do? Do yeah. you do, you know, business, mom, sporty, etc., Or do you just focus on one category? And it's all up to you. Yes. And taking that initiative, like you came to me and asked me what I did and I did mm-hmm. the same thing. It, it kind of all just goes down in this like family tree of yeah. lost souls out here in LA. <laughs> We're like help me. Yeah. How do help I do me. this? I don't know how to do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then you, I help so many people. I mm-hmm. try, but sometimes I'm surprised at how people are like, they don't want to put the work in. They're like, yeah. oh, I don't want to do that. Or like friends of mine that cancel tons of commercial auditions because they don't want to drive to Santa Monica. And I'm like, yeah. What? Well, it's easy to make excuses. And a lot of it comes back to that fear of failure. If you don't go, you can't fail. Or maybe you don't love it that much. For me, like, yeah. I, I, a lot of actors poo-poo on commercials. I love commercials. I love commercials too. I love commercial auditions. I love commercials. Like, yes, there are crappy ones, but mm-hmm. there are a lot of really good ones. I've met so many great, amazing people. Yeah, you worked with Zach Staben, who was yeah. the, he was the first guest on this podcast. And he was my first commercial. And He, he was, was your like husband, probably. He was my husband. Yeah. And I kissed him on the cheek. They were like, now kiss him. And I was like, what did they mean? And I just kissed yeah. him on the cheek. I'm like, okay, good. That's good. Yeah. I had never kissed anyone like on camera. Well, I had once in college, but yeah, I was just like, oh God, what, what, what do they want me to do? But yeah, it was a mom in that and then Mm -hmm. it's like i was a college student recently in a commercial so my age range is broad (laughs) yeah i mean i get that too i'm in the young dad category now and my agents have always said you're gonna book more in your 30s i'm 32 now with a beard i can pull it off i still have a baby face which you know i don't have gray hair everyone wants that like salt and pepper look yeah you still are too young. maybe i'll diet but no no i mean you're in a good place in commercial land in like fantasy land i have eight-year-old kids Mm -hmm. because they want you to look youthful and they want you to look younger than the average dad i guess yeah it's funny it's funny the way that is and it depends on the market too because that first commercial was for mexico so i feel like right it's like younger mom thing and Mm -hmm. Then like the American commercial, it's like I play younger because we that's the way we cast here. Yeah. We like have like 30 year olds playing high school students on TV all the time. So I know. It's a funny. Uh, it's yeah. weird. I mean, you're they're too young. Or you're too old. You never feel like you're quite right. Yeah. I remember Joel McHale told a story on some podcast or something where he said when he started auditioning, he couldn't book anything because he wasn't hot enough to be the hunk and was too hot to be the everyday guy. So there's this no man's land of like attractive, but not attractive enough. To be honest, that's yeah. kind of me. And I always get called in for like uh, commercially, like um, uh, very attractive, but not model attractive. Right. And I'm like, thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I was talking on the last <laughs> podcast with my agency coordinator about how they get feedback that their talent is too beautiful. They want every day. They want normal. They want relatable. And I get those 
castings as well where it's like no models but you go and everyone's beautiful yeah it's, everyone's it, still beautiful but it's like who's booking it i don't know yeah. is it a compliment that i didn't book it yeah <laughs> because i'm too yeah i'm too, too pretty yeah know. no it's it's a funny thing and it's like as far as my casting theatrically i i'm like i don't know i'm like kind of finding my way with that because mm-hmm. i look much younger than i am yep. but i'm very grounded in the way i speak and present myself right, i mean mature. i can play a young character but like yeah. that's i have to get there but it's like I present as uh, younger and then I act older and then it's like I'm I I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm like leading lady pretty but I'm prettier than like an it's like a funny thing and you have to like really think about it in a way that's like not putting putting yourself down or anything yeah. it's like really realistically objective. like placing yourself in a box because if you don't put your find the box that you fit in like forget mm-hmm. it it's so hard and I almost wish there was like a service like consulting service where someone just tell you like you're an eight like you're a seven like because you don't know like it's so i grew confusing. up being the cute kid but then you move to la and you're like i don't know like i yeah. don't think i'm that attractive and then it's so confusing and if you have the confidence like i remember i had one casting director or he was a camera op in a casting room and he stopped the camera and he's like you don't know how attractive you are and i was like okay and he's like you need like you don't carry yourself like an attractive person and maybe that's like my midwest upbringing or the fact that i was a late bloomer and like you know was very shy and but there is something to be said about just owning your category. Yeah. Know what you look like. Yeah. Know what, when you walk into a room, people are like, mm, what type is this? Yes. Because they're going to peg it on you immediately and you need to f- act the part. It's true. And honestly, like that's something I think I resisted because I was like, no, I'm me. I'm just going to be me. Right. But it's like, no, this is a business. And I, I'm honestly interested in succeeding in the business. And yeah. so I'm going to play that play game, game. Yeah. of giving them, and it depends on the casting I walk into commercially. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you walk into a young mom thing, you're going to act more like a young mom mm-hmm. just all around in your slate and yep. personality slates, whatever. Or if it's like a, uh, I did a self tape and I ended up booking it for like a, a girlfriend, like, you know, like what, what's the worst date you've been on? Or, uh, what was it like? What, what would be like a, an immediate no, like on a date? And, you know, I like you play you play yeah, to what they're asking absolutely. for. And it's not that you're being completely fake, like you're pulling from your own truth. But you you want to be smart and like think yeah, you play, put yourself in the shoes of the casting director. Play the and facet yeah. of your personality that's yeah. the most in line with the breakdown. I and mean, yeah, Killian talks about that. Like you have all the information you need when you get the breakdown of character role, character description, wardrobe. Maybe they give you some storyboards from the spot. Like you can figure out so much from all that. You just have and to think. <laughs> you just have to think about it. And then say you go into the casting and they just give you a personality question that's, you know, what's your dream vacation? Think about the answer that most fits with the character they're looking for. Is it like a Mountain Dew commercial? So it's more of a bro. And it's like, I want to go surfing in Japan or like, yeah, bro. I don't yeah, think exactly. you can surf in Japan, but um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. He sounds, wants to do it. That's, that's like, maybe that's a funny angle. Like, like oh, I, yeah. I want to be the first guy to surf in Japan. Yeah. Um, but it's all the information's there and just play. Like I will listen to music that I think fits the like more serious music or sillier music or pop or like rap or just depending on what I'm going into yeah. just to get me in that headspace. Smart. And you want to be friendly. You always want to be yes. a likable person, but you can be a different likable person mm-hmm. to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Your dream is to go theatrical, mm-hmm. to be on the big screen. Yeah, I want to be on TV. I, I I love comedy. Like, I'm deeply in love with it. I love, yeah, I just love it. Um, yeah. I want to be 
on TV. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not pursuing film specifically as much right. as I am trying to get that first co-star, trying to get there because I just want to work. Honestly, like I have no desire to be famous at all. Yeah. I just want to be on set and be funny. Be working, and make work. money, make a good living. Yeah. Every time I get to do that, it's the best day of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Being on set. I mean, there's something like you said, if you don't like it, you're probably not going to keep pursuing it. But I remember like the first few times you get on set and maybe you're not making any money. Like I did, I did background work just yeah. to get some SAG vouchers, which is maybe smart, maybe not. I'm still doing it. And yeah. I, yeah, I've just got one, one voucher. Yeah. But they don't want you to be SAG until you have to go SAG. Yeah. I just want to be SAG eligible. Yeah, yeah. Because this is a big debate that Killian is involved with is, which is like non-union versus union. Yeah. And, you know, it used to be that every commercial you saw on TV was a union commercial where you actors were getting residuals and making 30 to 100 grand off mm -hmm. a commercial depending on how much it airs. And that's not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't, maybe, maybe 5% of auditions I go on are union. And then it's just so competitive that if you book one a year, great for you. Yeah. So I went union because I had to join. You have to join after you work a certain number of union jobs and you pay your $3,000 dues. But then I immediately went FICOR, yeah. which means I can do union and non-union stuff, which the theatrical world doesn't like as much. Mm -mm. They don't want you to be FICOR. But since I'm not pursuing that as hard, I don't worry about it. Yeah. So are you trying to be union for I'm the theatrical angle? to be union eligible for the theatrical angle. Yeah, yeah because I... <laughs> my cat is... All, all up on you. All up in my business. He's very sweet. Um, I, because I, yeah, they, I think it's like, it's harder to get you in a room for an audition if you're not union yeah. for TV. Um, I had one pilot audition this year and that was really cool and exciting um, that I got through a friend, which is crazy, but. Yeah, that's a win. If you get, it's just baby steps. Yeah. Like this pilot season, I went on one. Next yeah. pilot season, I'll go on two. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. And ow, little, I'm sorry. I got bit. I, I was like, that's my goal. Like my goal was to go on a pilot audition, season audition. And I did. And I was like, mm -hmm. I didn't know how that was going to happen. It literally just came to me. So yeah. I was like, thank you. I've never been on one. And I have aqua theatrical. Yeah. So it was, you're doing better than I am. Because uh, you want it. I don't really want that. Yeah. And that's, I think, so your husband, Jeff, when we used to talk, we'd go to like the mall in Woodland Hills and have like Panda Express. And he, <laughs> he loved, Panda he was Express. always very, uh, <laughs> he's has weird dietary things. Yeah. He's changed a lot. Yeah. He's vegan now and eats like every vegetable and it's crazy. Really? Did not used to be like that. Well, he always talked about it's, it's important to have a very clear image of where you want to be, but it's, you need to know what you want. You need to, to know where you're headed or else you're just kind of going to wander around back and forth sideways. Yeah. Um, I think there's different, I mean, not to get too into the LA woo woo manifestation stuff because like I've been deep in it before and yeah. then I like backed out of it and yeah. then like I found like I a middle a lot ground. of crystals around here. There's some, there's, there's a couple, there's, there's some, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but there's not too many, uh, but it's balance, but there, I think there are, um, there's different schools of thought, but there are different types of like, if you look into different things like human design, which is like a thing with your birth chart and stuff, it's, it's interesting, but there are different types of manifestors. Like you can be a specific or non-specific. So mm -hmm. actually for some people just like following their feeling and being a little more free helps yeah. them manifest better. But for some people being really specific helps them right. better. I don't know. I, I don't remember, remember if I'm a specific or non-specific. I, I always look at that in Jeff and I'm like very, I admire it so much, Yeah. but I don't feel like I'm as, um, specific, but I think actually the deeper I get into what I want to do, I can, I have more 
like uh, of a clear vision. I think maybe when I was like going through my like, I don't know what I'm doing mm-hmm. phase, I was like, how does he know what he wants? Because I like it's didn't amazing. know for so long. Because he's also like me, kind of a creative ninja where he can, anything he does, he does well. Yeah. If it's in the creative realm, writing, art, you know, I'm sure he could act. I'm sure he could paint and, you know, yeah. whatever he wants to do, he can do it. And it's hard for me where it's like, well, I like writing and I like modeling and acting, but I also like, maybe I want to, you know, start a podcast and I kind of can just wander from project to project. And it's, it is important to have irons in the fire for when one is slow and you know, you can fall back on some other form of art that you're working on, but you don't want to get trapped into the just floating. Cause I think I'm a more specific person. So I have to Mm -hmm. set goals and deadlines. And I took, um, I took uh, Leslie Kahn's oh, acting yeah. workshop, did which you is do the comedy intensive. I did the comedy intensive and then the technique clinic, the tech cl- me, technique me clinic which is a, a really good theatrical class. If you want to learn how to audition for sitcoms and comedies, mm-hmm. it kind of just teaches you how to break down scripts and it's Super a fun technical. environment. Yeah. It's really time intensive and you, you kind of feel like you get put through the, put through the paces, but then they offered some free workshop where it was like a motivational coach. And the one thing I took away from it is like, you can only, control moving towards something Mm -hmm. you can set a goal he's like i want to grab this cup on this table i think i can do that but an earthquake might happen in the second between me standing here and me grabbing it all i can control is me trying to move towards that goal yes and that's nice to give yourself a little bit of freedom to set deadlines and know that you're working towards them if you don't meet them it's okay Mm -hmm. but you're pushing forward absolutely and i think that's like that's it that's like the key to like commercial acting theatrical mm-hmm. acting probably modeling yeah. and i because i don't like model i mean i do go on print auditions sometimes it's but all lifestyle is all yeah similar. you're pretty tall yeah i'm five eight you're, you're whatever um <laughs> but it is it is about that like moving toward the thing just like yep. consistently one foot in front of the other and yep. jeff has helped me with that so much because i'm like more like oh, i want this thing and i want it now and right. he's like well, the millennial yeah. mindset i mean come on natalie it's not how life works and he's like he's like just put one foot in front of the other and i kind of it took a while it was like a very painful like i think i was like a little delusional when i when i went into all of this i was like this is just gonna work out for me because i know this is what i meant to do mm-hmm. and it took time and it's taking time but it's like in in hindsight, I'm like, if I had known how hard this would be, would I have started? I probably was so in my head then that I wouldn't have. But I'm so glad I had that like blind optimism mm-hmm. because it got me to where I am now. And now I'm in a really good place where I'm like, well, today I did this and that's awesome. Yeah. Like, and I'm just going to keep doing it every day. But it is really just you keep moving towards that cup and you can't control that cup's yep. state of being. And you just have to kind of release that. You can't control that. anything. And you you can... just keep going. But there are little checkpoints that you can you know, get on set. Get yes. paid. Be yes. a working actor. Great. You won. Get a bigger job. Maybe get a non-union buyout that's a few thousand dollars. And like, ooh, that paid rent for a couple of months. Yes. Work towards getting a SAG national. And there's things you can do along the way to better your chances. Taking Killian's workshop. Um, talking to friends. Getting better headshots. Talking to your agents about your category. And what do you think my look is? And how can I hone in my my portfolio to, to fit that mold? Yeah. Um, you can't control it, but you can... Have those small victories along the way Absolutely. on the path to, I don't know, if you want to be a series regular on a TV show, which is the ideal path for a TV actor because you're getting a great paycheck and you yeah. have consistent and work. you get and, to work regularly. And you get your yeah. reps in. I mean, you look at like Leonardo DiCaprio was in a Kraft Cheese commercial when he was like 12 years old. Yeah. And then he was on, what was it, Growing Pains? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And he, wow. And then I was he, obsessed. You know, so you get those reps in being on a TV show yes. and then 
I'm sure he did guest stars before that and co-stars before that. And then yeah. he was in movies and now he's Leonardo now DiCaprio. He's, yeah. But you have to, you know, see the forest for the trees. Absolutely. And I've said it before. If you don't enjoy the student film you do with the pizza and Mountain Dew for lunch and, you know, you feel like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. If you don't find some fun in that, like, you don't really enjoy what you're doing. Yes. And when the craft services gets better and the money gets better and the directors get more important and fancier and your role is, you know, bigger you're not, probably not going to enjoy it at that point either because it's a yes. it's a never-ending battle. You you can always be progressing. There's always someone above you. Always, There's no matter always, what. And that's the thing about when you add fame into the mix, it's like, well, then it's like about how relevant are you? What's your star meter? And, no. I, you know, it's easy to say I don't want that because it's not available to me. No one's saying like, oh. you know, you can be in the Spielberg movie, but I don't think I want that. I because, don't want fame because yeah. it seems like, it, it seems like the wrong things get important. Not that famous people aren't, there are great famous artists sure. out there. But like I want like Olivia Coleman fame for like just being talented and well, like Well, it, it brings working. out it elevates your natural personality, I think. Yes. It's like drinking. Like yeah. are you an angry person? When you get drunk, you're probably going to be a really angry drunk. Yes. Are you goofy? When you're drunk, you're going to get goofy. It's, it's the same with money, too. Yeah, it like brings out it like highlights these personality yeah. traits of yours, yeah. So if you want fame, work on being a good person yeah. before you get there please, <laughs> please for our sake please. Like, although i do enjoy like shitty the justin bieber moments yeah. <laughs> and i don't blame him he's a kid who has 200 million dollars so he's yeah, doing the like, best he can it's got to be hard yeah i'm sure it's real tough <laughs> um, i mean really though honestly it probably it does like break your brain or something I yeah don't know. but i think having a realistic perspective about the hustle is yeah. important and i think you're right about like loving like if you don't love the shitty moments you're not going to love you know elizabeth gilbert wrote big magic yeah, I read that. Uh, yeah me too had it, a love affair with your work yeah that was her whole thing and she's like which shit sandwich are you willing to yeah, eat yeah and you know this is the shit sandwich i will die eating mm -hmm. and i just know it i had this one when i was 23 which is a while ago um in new york i got cast in this vanity fair like music video project and it was like a really cool thing i worked with like a legit director and um the choreographer was uh an incredible uh, alum from N NCSA where I graduated. So that's how I got connected. Um, and it was like my first time on a set, like mm -hmm. a real set. And it was a one take music video where I was like dancing and like performing. It was the best day of my life. Yeah. yeah. Like it was, I was like, electric all day i was the happiest i had ever been i remember walking home from that and just being like holy shit and i emailed the choreographer and i was like how do i do more of this this was the best thing i've ever right. done in it's my like life a drug. yes and she was like well you have a great look i feel like you could definitely get commercial representation she sent me a list of agencies like mm -hmm. you know it was new york but like cesd they're here too and i i Got that list. I went to one open call that an agency was having. I didn't get called back and I literally gave up. Yep. And that was about the time where <clears throat> then I like quit. I was like, I need to start a real job and have a career and actually help yeah. people. What am I doing? I was like, I'm too old. I'm 23. I was oh, done. Look, hey, if you're 23, no offense, you're not old and don't think you're too old to do anything. No, and I mean, Will like, McNeil in the last episode said that he looks for new models to be 23, 24 and under. Yeah. So that's your prime. Yeah. Yeah. And I, then I was like, I'm too old to start acting. What what am I thinking? Yeah, oh, you yeah. know, cut till years later when I actually start much later. But Morgan Freeman started at like 50 or something. Yeah, look at him. So there you go. It's yeah. like, but um, that feeling was a feeling I think I had chased for so many years, but didn't go back to the root. And it's like going back the next time I got on set. Finally, years later here in LA, I was like, is that was that feeling yeah. again? And that's that's what I tell people: just get on set. Yeah, like whether you're a PA. 
and you look at the talent, you're like, I wish I was them. Yeah. Or you are a background actor and you're looking at the principals saying like, I wish I was making what they're making. I wish I had the camera in my face. Yeah. Just get there. Find a way to get on set. It's not that hard to get on set. No. Whether it's a friend shooting a music video or you go to Central Casting, you become a background actor or you self-submit on LA Casting, get on set. Yeah. And when I lived in the Middle East, uh, they film tons of movies over there in Jordan because it's it's safe and it's a Middle Eastern location. So yeah. if it's supposed to be Iraq or Afghanistan, they'll shoot it in Jordan. And there are these people, I don't know how they found my group of friends, but they would recruit Westerners to be extras in these productions. And I ended up doing a background work in Zero Dark Thirty, which was amazing. Cool. Yeah. But before <laughs> that, I did background work on some, like it was either BBC or Al Jazeera, some weird made-for-TV Arabic movie, and it was about some siege in the 70s. So they had us dressed up in period garb, and I was just in a hotel lobby when gunfire broke out, and I had to like put my arm around these two girls and sort of scuttle them to safety. And we spent all day waiting around for this scene to happen, and my friend I was with was complaining about it, and I was like, dude, we're, we're going to get to be in a movie. Like, I was so stoked on it. He was like, this is the dumbest waste of time ever. And then we got into the scene, and something just, I was like, oh, my God, like, I put myself in the character as best as I could. And I, I was like, you know, these girls were laughing and joking the whole time. And I was like, gosh, we have to be serious. You know, this is, yeah. we have to be in the character. We have to be in the moment. And then that just kept me going. And that further solidified that dream of get to LA and get on set. And I remember walking home from my job in the Middle East at night, literally couldn't be farther away from Hollywood. And I'd practice my speech I would give to casting or to agents about why they should take a chance on me. That's amazing. And yeah, that just, you have to get that taste. And if you have that feeling, yeah, go, go Chase for it. Down. Chase it and don't, don't, don't let your brain get in the way. And if way. you don't have that feeling, go away, find it, do something go, else. Go away. Yeah. No, I'm, well, if you don't love it like that, I think you shouldn't, it's a hard thing to like grind yeah. if you don't feel that oh, love, yeah. like do what you real. I feel like find what you have that feeling for mm-hmm. and just do that no matter what I, yeah, you have to. And I think even if, if you don't have that feeling, you're going to you're going to fall away eventually because yeah. it gets old yeah. The driving around. I mean, oh so you God. didn't drive when you came to LA. So I, yeah, I didn't drive because I had been in this bad car accident. I had like really intense PTSD. Yeah. Um, and before I got into acting and stuff, I got a job in Culver city mm-hmm. and it was kind of like me pushing myself to force myself to, cause I live in Los Feliz. So it's like a fart. Right. So yeah. I'm like, okay, how am I going to get there? And I, I ended up going to hypnotherapy. Cool. And I went, I did three sessions. It was really expensive, not covered by insurance, but literally changed my life. Like before that, I would get behind a wheel and just have a panic attack. And three sessions later, I was driving myself all over LA. Yeah. Um, I don't drive on the freeway yet. Really? You take surface streets? I take surface streets everywhere. Um, It's probably not a bad plan. It's it's, usually faster. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It gets me from point A to point B. I've had like little, I've had jobs that are like really far in the valley or like. How do you get there? I just drive. What if you go to Santa Clarita Yeah. I have yet to have to go to Santa Clarita. I just, I figure it out. Like I just shot in um, Torrance the other night. I was in my friend's feature, which is hilarious. And I loved being in it. Is that what I saw you at my apartment building shooting? Yeah. Yeah. And we shot in Torrance the other night. Um, and um, I was like, how am I going to get there? You, you know, <laughs> but I, I got to ride with one girl and then I got to ride back. I'm still I still figure that out. Like I just yeah. I figure it out. But, but that goes to show that you have this fear of freeways and you're still making it work. Yeah, I like, have that's to. That's commitment. That's I dedication. Have to. But it's like eventually, eventually I'll drive on the freeway. But You'll it's, merge. It's, it's yeah, I'll merge. <laughs> it's one it's one step at a time for me. But yeah, like I I went on like 106 commercial auditions last year. I counted for oh, my yeah. um 
gas mileage for uh, taxes. Yep. I counted every audition and then I did the math of all the miles and everything mm-hmm. and it was 106 and I was like, that is incredible. I drove myself... That was just commercials. Do 106 too. auditions without getting on a freeway. Yep. That's really impressive. Yeah, baby. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> it reminds me of there's a line in Brett Easton Ellis' first novel, Less Than Zero, which is about this like disaffected college kid in LA. And it's he keeps repeating, people are afraid to merge here. Uh, so that's you. That's me. Yeah. I, I Yeah, it's like really, it makes my body like, Ugh, it's like serious. I feel like you're you're gonna hit some next level in your life when you find when get I do. On the I, I agree yeah. because it's like it opened so much up for me when I started driving again, and yeah. I feel like my own person in a lot of ways. Like I felt so like stuck having to lift an Uber and wait for Jeff to get rides, and like when I could take yeah, you're myself a helpless. Yeah, I didn't like that. So yeah, once I can drive on the freeway, I'll feel. I'll feel like an, a truly independent lady. No, but, uh, you know, I'll get there. But yeah, that was a huge, that was a huge block for me. And I think like having to drive to Santa Monica for commercial auditions, like I would struggle with anxiety and sometimes have panic attacks like yeah. while driving still, even just like my accident wasn't even on the freeway. Don't even get me started. Like, I don't know what it is with free- like even seeing entrance, like I'll like get. Does your car flip? Was it like a really bad? No, it didn't flip. We were like T-boned. I was the passenger oh and boy. we got, it was really crunched up and yeah. my knee was like destroyed. It just changed my life so much and it was so sudden yeah, that I think it trauma. just scared the shit out of me. And you're yeah. young. Yeah, it was 20. It was a week before my 21st birthday. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I came out alive, but it, yeah, it definitely, it definitely messed with me. But yeah, driving to all these commercial auditions has gotten me more and more comfortable with driving to the point where I don't think about it anymore. Yeah. Unless it's just a fact of life. Yeah. And do you, so I've thought about, I should maybe be a little more diligent about tracking my bookings for one, just to know what checks are coming. Cause like checks take, you know, a month or more. They're changing that a little bit. Cause I guess people are getting sued and I'm getting paid on set more often now. Oh, that's nice. But you know, I'm sometimes I'll get a check and be like, Oh yeah, I forgot that I didn't get that yet. And I should probably be more diligent about, tracking that but then also like do you keep track of your auditions and beyond for gas mileage or no I probably should I've met actors at auditions that are like I have an audition book and I write down what I wore for the first call on the callback and like well I always try to keep track of what I wore mentally at least I I mentally keep track of it but I don't write it down but Um, I've thought about like you know some of my friends who are more data minded like the examined life kind of mm -hmm. perspective maybe keeping an excel sheet of auditions and then callbacks and book just to see because when I first signed with my commercial agency they called me maybe a year in and they're like your ratio is not good enough yeah you're not getting enough callbacks to auditions wow and it terrified me yeah and I think that's when I took Killian's callback class Mm. did you take that one I took his adult workshop yeah after the foundation that was that was the callback class so he calls his his workshop a game changer and his callback class a life changer Mm. and it callbacks are weird like they don't it's a very weird situation. You walk in and there's 10 people staring at there, you. Very serious. And they're, you know, there is the director and the client and the agency and the production company. And they're, they don't even know each other. And some of them are eating and they're on their laptops or on their phones. They're, and they're always ignoring eating. You. And that class really breaks down like why that room is so awkward and how to use it to your advantage. So mm-hmm. I recommend that to anyone as well. But yeah, like my agency said, your ratio is not good enough. So I had to go, okay, what can I do to make this better? What can I do to improve? Because you can't just sit back and assume that, oh, I'm going to get more auditions. I'm going to get more callbacks. You have to learn the skills and hone your craft. Yeah, it's true. And that's clearly because you love it. Because I just feel like I know so many people that just don't like it enough to care, you know, but I feel the same way. I... I care. I yeah. like it. I want to do well at it. And um, I took the adult workshop. Yeah. Like preemptively, I think I was like, 
a few months in, I was getting callbacks. I've always had a lot of callbacks, but I wasn't booking yet. And I was like, oh God, they're going to drop me. Yeah. No. And there's they the Avail purgatory where you just I li- keep getting Avail. I lived on Avail all you year got, you last take year. Callback workshop. It's I should avail, do it. Avail Buster. Oh my God. Yeah. But it goes back to what that acting teacher told me is like, you have to want it. Yeah. Like, you can do this if you want it. It's true. And I think that's universal. Anything. For any, if you want to write a novel, if you want to start a business, if you want to change jobs, like you can do it if you want to. Yeah. You, you know? just have to actually really want it. Yeah. And finding that want is maybe the hard part, but it's, I can't tell you what you want no. and you can't tell me only you can know if you want it for real or not. Yeah. So getting in touch with that is important. And I don't know. Have you ever done the artist's way? I have it. And I've done like a few days here and there. Yeah. And, and when I've done it, I'm like, Oh, this feels so good. But yeah. I've never like finished it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what tools I can recommend for figuring that out for people who are like, I don't know what I want to do. I've had friends come to me and they're like, you're working on this book. Like, how do you figure out what you want to do? And it's like, I don't, I don't know. I've always been a curious person. I've always tried different Same. things out <clears throat> and searched for that, that feeling like you got when you're on that music video. And I got when I was on that weird shoot in Jordan where it's like, yeah. Oh yeah. And I think a lot of it is kind of chasing envy. Like I remember watching I movies in college. I remember watching Casino Royale and Daniel Craig was chasing some parkour artist. And I was like, that looks like the coolest fucking job. Like he got to do that. And he's getting paid for it. And I just, I was jealous. Yeah. I was like, I want that. I I felt the same. When I was a kid, I would watch Full House and I would lay in bed at night crying, being like, why can't I be Mary Kate and Ashley? And I would like dream as a little (laughs) child, like that I would one day be discovered. I don't know why my fantasy was in McDonald's. Like I would just be at McDonald's. Giselle got discovered in McDonald's (laughs) in Brazil. Yeah. See? I was on something, um, but I'm yeah. no Giselle. Go to so Brazil. like, yeah, I was like, uh, you know, in my fantasy, I'm like at McDonald's and a director walks up to me and they're like, you should be on TV. But I was always jealous of, of people like that. Mm-hmm. And even now, like when I'm, um, in classes with people, or I see people in shows and I feel like envy. I'm like, it's not like a green, I don't really have like mean jealousy where I'm like, Oh, I yeah, hate it's them. Not like I'm you like, want to destroy like, oh, them. I want to be, Oh, yeah. I want that wanna for get myself. And I like take it always as, okay, I'm going to hone this skill. Mm-hmm. Like clearly I care about this and I want to get better at it. I want to be like them. Yeah. Um, so I think jealousy little, I'm getting bit more. My cat is just trying <laughs> to eat Michael. Um, yeah. So I think it's, um, jealousy is always a really good yeah. indicator as to what you want. And like I said, when I watched the Heralds for UCB, I didn't feel it wasn't like, oh, I want to be, I, did, I didn't yeah. want to be up there. I didn't feel the jealousy. I, I feel like, that at Groundlings. I was like, you guys can have that. That's fine. Yeah. So I think following jealousy and then also following fear. Yes. A book I gave Jeff when we were in our struggling days at the theme park company was The War of Art. We have it. Oh, yeah. That's, I think I've, it's my copy. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. And I've I've read most of it. It's Everyone should read The War of Art because it's about resistance. And the more resistance you feel towards something, the more it's probably in line with who who you are and what you need to be doing. Yeah. And like, let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you know, going to one cast or one agency open call and then never going back again and yeah. shutting down. Yeah. There's a reason, you know, follow your fear, follow your jealousy, follow your fear, follow your resistance. I think those two sort of dousing rods will lead you in the right direction. I think you're right. I think like sometimes it's just timing and you need to mature and be ready for that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's like, then you look back and you're like, yep. Mm-hmm, yeah. That was fear and resistance. Yep. Uh, yes. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. I mean, I have a tattoo on my arm that says Hicksunt Draconis, which is a phrase they used to put on old maps that says here be dragons. And they put it there to 
warn of like uncharted or dangerous territory. And I like it because it's like, that's where the rewards are. It's the true. Da- the scary places go there. I, and maybe they were putting that there to keep people away from, you know, like they named Iceland, Iceland to, to throw off the scent that it was actually green. green. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, go to the scary places, follow that fear. It's so, it, it, it like makes you a happier person. I, yeah. I feel like when I first moved here, I felt very insecure. Like I'd be like in my head, like that girl's prettier than me. That person's pretty, you know, it just oh, like everybody's prettier. Here. Every, and like, <laughs> but I cared about it in a way that was just like, cause I wasn't fully owning who I was and I wasn't actually self-actualized like I wasn't able I wasn't happy so I was always like focusing on these things and they didn't matter and now I notice like I'm in similar places with beautiful people and whatever and I'm just like it doesn't phase me I'm not Mm -hmm. like comparing myself because I'm actually happy and like yeah that's great that comes from just putting yourself in the weird uncomfortable places uncharted territories like if I hadn't pushed myself out of the nest and like forced myself to do this I think I would be pretty grouchy right now how are we gonna get you to merge Natalie oh god (laughs) more $300 hypnotherapy sessions yeah I'll just have to book another commercial well you're on the right path and I hope it inspires other people. Do you have any little last bits of wisdom for, since you're in my lineage of commercial actors, I am in your lineage. what would you, what would you pass on to the next crop? You know, hopefuls? I would give you the same advice that Michael gave me. You take Killian's workshop mm-hmm. foundation class and email all those agents. Yeah. Don't be annoying. Just email them like straightforward and put yourself out there, be yourself, but be smart about it. And treat it like a business. Yeah. And, and don't take it personally. Like none of this stuff is personal. Like when you are a commercial actor, you're, you're basically like, it's, you're like there to sell the product. It's not, it's not not a judgment on you or how beautiful or how cool you are. It's really about like the fantasy that they're trying to portray and do you fit it? And if you can just step back instead of being like, I'm gross, I'm fat, I'm this, I'm that, but really just like, objectively like what am i what do i look like yep. and just like let yourself be that type and play the game but you know don't lose your soul along the way have fun and if you're not having fun i'd do something else yeah i mean there's i hear it from actors and then like navy seals where uh, they say when people come up to me and say you know do you think i could make it they always say no because the people who say fuck you i'm gonna do it anyways that's the that's person that exactly. should do it yeah so if that's in you Go for it. Go for it. Just yeah. go for it, you know? And you can have your part-time job. You don't have to be like crazy, like, oh, I'm going to make it. And, you know, just figure out a way to survive and sustain yourself and do it. But if you don't do it now, you're going to regret it and you're going to want to do it later. And, hey, you can become an actor at 80. You can. Yep. I see it. Yep. But I don't know. Do you want to wait that long? What if right. you die? What if there's an earthquake? Exactly. Another I mean, they're <laughs> very scared about that. Well, on that note, I'm glad to see that you're happy. It's, yeah. I think a lot of people aren't happy. Yeah. So I'm trying to, I don't know. I'm, I work on being happy all the time. So I'm just trying to share a little, share a little wisdom about it. Well, you help me a lot, really. I'm always like so grateful to you for that. Yeah. So. Well, we'll pass it on. We'll pass it on. All right. Thanks again. Thanks. Bye kids. Bye.